0: God's people see it. All right, grab your Bibles. Remain standing for just a moment. Remain standing for just a moment. We're going to read a couple verses, and we're going to look in Matthew chapter number four. Matthew chapter number four. Isn't it good to be saved? My, 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 my. Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas in here that, that have been mamas. Amen. Uh, uh, you can give birth and not act like a mama. Amen. Thank God for all the mamas. Yeah. Amen. Matthew chapter number four. While the choir finds their place, uh, just a little little brief review. We, we, we started the New Testament and, and had to take a little break and, and uh, went through Easter and all that. And now we're going to jump back in where we left off. Uh, we, we started in Matthew and we said Matthew is the book of the Kings. Matthew represents the Lord Jesus Christ as the king in his kingdom, and we talked about the genealogy of the king in the very beginning. Uh, He has to to qualify as the king, so Matthew put his genealogy there, and uh, his background, his bloodline, and uh, we saw the coronation of the king in his baptism. Uh, uh, God God declared him his beloved son, say amen. Amen. And whom he was well pleased. And we saw also the testing of the king. The testing of the king. The king had to be worthy. The king had to be uh, able and have the power to be the king needed here on this earth. And he passed with flying colors. Amen. Amen. That was in the temptation in the wilderness with the devil. So that's where we stopped last time. And so we're going to jump right back in Matthew chapter 4 in verse number 17. Matthew chapter 4. In verse number 17. When you get there, say amen. amen. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, What do they say? Follow me. Everybody say it? Follow me. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness. Uh, Lord, thank you for a great crowd this morning. Thank you for all of our mothers that loved us and cared for us and took care of us till we were adults and, and, and could be about our father's business. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless us now. Help us as we study your word. Let us see the truths of your word, the simplicity of your word. And God, I pray that your perfect will be done. I believe I have what you want me to say, but I need the unction from glory. I need the Holy Ghost to empower me to say what needs to be said. I pray that you'll touch every ear that they can comprehend and understand what I say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and don't let me forget anything I should. And God will praise you and thank you and give you the glory and praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to do this. Um, I want to do this. If we can put the scriptures back up on the screen uh, uh, where we started. Uh, I've, been, I've been, in the last few weeks and the last few uh, uh, messages that, that God has allowed me to get, I, I've just been taking the, the verses that I'm going to preach out of and put them on the screen on my, on my computer in my office and blow it up so I can see it. And I'll just sit there and read it over and over again, just over, just repeatedly over and over again. And I'll ask God to speak to me, all right? I'll ask God, what are you, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to bring out? And so I want to I practice that a little bit this morning. And, uh, and, and how, many of y'all, how many of y'all know what the first question is in, in, in life group? Okay, some of y'all been going, amen? All right, what is it? What is it? Say it again. What one thing, what one thing stood out to you? Now, I've been mocked for that question, and I've been made fun of for keep putting that on there. But that question is there for a reason. Because when you come to the house of God, when you come here, I want God to speak to you. You're not coming as a a religious exercise. This is not a habit that you have gotten into and this is an obligation that you owe God. No, you're here so God can talk to you. Now, whether you believe it or not, whether whether you know it or not, God wants to talk to you. But you, listen... You say, well, he, he, he don't talk to me. No, he's always talking. The question is, are we amen. listening? And all the ladies said amen to the men. Y'all with me? Come on. Now, look, I want you to pray right now. I mean, just in your head, I want you to say, God talk to me today. God speak to me today. And you know what's going to blow your mind? He will. He will. All right, now, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's just read this slowly. Let's read this a couple times, all right? Let's all read together in concert. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay. Next. Read it with me. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren... Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were, they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me. Say that again. Follow me. follow me. And, let's read it, I will make you fishers of men. Now watch what happens. And they straightway, the word straightway means immediately, immediately, left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, this book is about about the king. Now, the king has been tested. The king has been, uh, he he has gone through his coronation, if you will, at his baptism. But now he's finding some followers. You cannot have a king without a kingdom. Are y'all with me? And so I titled this this, this lesson today, the king and his court. He's going about now to find his people, to find his followers. All right, now. We always want to apply the scripture to our lives, and and as I read this, uh, we're going to have several messages out of this particular portion of scripture. Because uh, the more I look, the more I wanted to write down, and the more I wanted to write down, the more I wanted to say, and we would be here forever, and we would never get out of here. So we, I, I tried to, I tried to make this smaller, and and as I looked at this, how many of y'all know? How many of y'all know that this is Jesus choosing his first disciples? This is Jesus choosing his first disciples, right? And and so at the end of his ministry, at the end of his ministry, this is just a way of introduction. At the end of his ministry, the the disciples he chose, this is what he told them. Now, I want you to go out and do what I've done for you, right? He said, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. Go make disciples. In other words, go do what I've done for you that makes sense? Amen. And so whether you know it or not, down through the ages, down through the ages, uh, as, a, as a, a person who is a believer, as a person that is saved, you are a disciple. Amen. You are a disciple, or you're supposed to be. Now, I'm not, I'm not so foolish and naive to believe that everybody in here is saved. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. And I don't believe that everybody that's saved in here is is acting like a true disciple. I don't believe that. Because if that was so, we wouldn't have no room in this place to put people. Now, what do you mean? A disciple is not a religious person. A disciple is not somebody that comes and shows up on Sunday and then forgets about God all week till they get here next week. Oh, it's Sunday. We got to go to church today. It's not a disciple. And we're going to learn something about being a disciple here. He says, look, here's the instruction. He said, he said, come and what's that word? Follow Follow me. Follow me. Now, can we really say we're true blue disciples if we're not following him? No, no. But that's what God wants. God's not God's not up in heaven checking who, who's got the biggest building, who's got the most seats, uh, who's got the most people in the seats in the biggest building. He's looking at people who are being disciples and that are following Jesus. Right. Now, now I want to I want to help you with some things. Now I, I promise you this. I promise you this. I'm a simple person, and when I look at things, I look at it in a simple way. And, and I know some people think sometimes. The, the sermons are a little oversimplified, but I think it needs to be that way. I think it needs to be on a shelf where anybody can reach it. Amen. So that's how we're going to look at this. I'm going to give you two points today. Two points that we're going to take today, and, and like I said, we're going to come back into this uh, the next time and, and and try to dig all the goody out of this. Jesus is choosing his disciples. We're supposed to be disciples. So, what can we learn from this? What can we take from this and apply to our life? That's going to help us today. So, let's go back. Let's go back to this this verse here. In in verse number, let's see, verse number eighteen. Verse number eighteen. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. All right. Now there were three ways that people fished back in that day. One was hook and line. They used hook and line. If y'all remember when, when he told Peter to go catch that fish hook and line and and, and he had the coin in the mouth. So, so that's one way. And then the second way is they would stand in the shallows or even on the shore and kind of throw a net. Kind of like we have a cast net today. How many y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and then they would have boats where they would take nets out and string them from one boat to the other and pull it through or seine it through or just have it out for a while and then bring it in, kind of like they, they net today. So they did it that three ways. In this particular situation, Peter and Andrew, his brother, they're standing on the shore and just throwing a net out. And Jesus comes up to him. Jesus comes up to him, and he's beginning his ministry uh, he is he's beginning his, his uh, uh, three years of, of ministry, and he says, hey, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Now, here's, here's what I want you to get. Two things, two things. Number one, if you're taking those, the outlines are in the, in the back. I want you to see, number one, the chosen. Let's look at the, who he chooses first. Before he tells them what he's wanting to do and before he kind of gives them the plan, uh, he, he, let's look at the people he chooses And first, the first thing that stood out to me, the first thing that stood out to me in this situation is that the chosen were busy. Write that down. The chosen were busy. This is not, this part's not going to be alliterated. Just take it for, just, just write it down. They were busy. They were not sitting on the street corner, not doing anything. They were not having spare time on their hands. They were fishing. And they were not fishing like most of us fish. Most of us fish because we like to fish and we want to go have a good time. And we want to go, and, and, I, and, I, and, it, and it kind of bothers me a little bit when I go fishing because the guys I go fishing with, they make me throw them back. I just, I just, you know, I, when I was growing up, you kept everything. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I grew up at Okeechobee Lake, and, and, and there's just tons of fish, and, 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 and they said, That's a sport fish. Listen, that's a game fish. You got to throw it back. When he bites my hook, the game is over. <laughs> Do I have a witness? Yeah. Don't you go with these fellas here, John and Alan and all, they'll make you throw them back, every one of them. <laughs> you know why? Because it's a sport. It's for fun. They were not fishing for fun. They were fishing to survive. They were fishing to live. They were trying to make a living. They were busy. Now, I know what you're thinking. So what? What's the big deal? Well, I'll tell you this. This is the big deal. There are so many people who make so many excuses for not serving God because they say they're too busy. And when you say you're too busy to do something significant for God, you are making an excuse. Amen. Right. You're making an excuse. You're making, let me say it, an excuse. Yeah. Dr. E.V. Hill, black preacher in Los Angeles. Man, this, is, this dude, he could preach the pain off the wall. And this is what he said. He said an excuse is laziness wrapped in a lie. I say, preach it, Bishop, preach it right? These guys were busy. They were not lollygagging around. They were trying to support their families. They were trying to make a living. And this is something else I've seen too. And this is just, this is really at the bottom of your, uh, of your outline, but I want to throw this in now because uh, I, I know what you're thinking. Well, that we, we pay people to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now we're going to see what they're doing in a minute. I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I, and I, I feel like I need to throw this in. Because there's too, many, there's too many Christians, there's too many Christians, or, or people who claim to be Christians, who have this idea that there's professional disciples and volunteer disciples. In other words, there's disciples that get paid to do it, and we just do it when we feel like we have time. Now, and they look at... Peter and, and, and John and James and Andrew. Look at them. They left everything and now they're. But if you will study it, if you will study it, you'll find out this is not the first time they ran into Jesus. The first time they met Jesus was in John chapter number one, where John Baptist told Andrew and John, hey, that's the Lamb of God. That's the one you need to be following. They begin to follow them. Andrew goes and first finds his own brother, Simon. Y'all remember? In John chapter number 1. So they come and they, be, they believe in Jesus. They believe he's the Messiah. Andrew says we found him. We found him. And so that is the first. This is the second time. This is the second time Jesus runs into it. Now watch this. They're not full time yet. I know it. I'm, I'm fixing to pull it on you right now. They're not professional disciples yet. You see, that doesn't take place. That doesn't happen till Luke. When you get into Luke, I think it's chapter number five. You remember when when Jesus is is preaching on the the shore and the crowd gets so big that he has nowhere to go, so he gets in the boat with Peter. And he says, push off a little ways, and he finishes teaching. And then he tells Peter, hey, push off a ways and, and let down your net. How many of y'all remember that? Yeah. Let down your net for a drop, and they caught all these fish. Had to call his, his partners, James and John, to come out there and help him pull them all in because there were so many fish. That was the time that they became full time. What's the point? What's the point? It doesn't matter whether you're paid to serve Jesus or you're a volunteer. You're not too busy. Because between the Matthew 4 and the Luke 5, they were still in the fishing career. They were still fishing. Y'all with me? But yet they're following Jesus. Yet they're doing what he said. Preacher, what are you saying? Don't ever say again, I'm too busy to serve God. Guess what? God doesn't choose lazy people. Do you realize every person that God called, every person that God called was already doing something before he called them? Saul, David, listen, Elisha, he was plowing oxen. All these men, they're already doing something. God's never used a lazy person. And if God's not using you, you might want to check up. It's just an excuse. We can serve God. We are not too busy. And all God's people say it. Okay, so the first thing that stood out to me, they were busy. They were working. And yet God had the audacity to interrupt their working and say, follow me. All right, now watch this. Here's the second thing. It said they, they, they seen them and they were casting the net into the sea. And in the second part of that verse, or the last part of that verse, it says, for they were fishers. For they were fishers. Now, here's the thing, and if you're a fisherman here, don't take this the wrong way, but they were very simple. They were unqualified. Write that word down. Now, I wrote the word simple because that's the word I wanted to use, but the Holy Ghost told me to put unqualified. Unqualified. Now, I looked up the word unqualified because there's a reason the Holy Spirit was leading me to use the word unqualified, so I looked up Webster's Dictionary. And I I, I I seen what unqualified means. Look in your notes. This is what it means. Unqualified, if you've got notes, if you've got an outline, what's that first, that first, what does it say? Not fit. Not fit. Unqualified means not fit. Not having the requisite talents, abilities, or accomplishments. Now I know why he said use the word unqualified. They were just fishermen. They were of the simplest career there was in that region. They were not dignitaries. They were not seminary students. He he was not choosing his disciples from the, the metropolitan area of Jerusalem where they had the finest education and the finest rabbis. No, he picked uneducated, unqualified, simple cussing fishermen. There is a reason the phrase says, curse like a sailor. (laughs) How do you know that? Peter, the main man, y'all know what he did. Come on, don't look so shocked at me. I'm just preaching the Bible this morning. They were unqualified. They were unqualified. I mean, this is God the one who spoke this world into existence, he is choosing the disciples that would help him start a movement that would turn the world upside down and he picks a bunch of redneck hillbillies. Amen. This bless my soul. Just simple, uneducated, unqualified, good old boys. Now you say, what has that got to do with me? Don't ever again Say you don't have what it takes to do something significant for God. Don't ever again think that you don't know enough. Don't ever again think that you're not talented enough. Don't ever again have it cross your mind or let the devil lie to you and say you don't have what it takes to do something significant for God. In the, in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, when Jesus had done went to glory and now they're on their own and they're serving God, the Bible says that they looked at them as ignorant and unlearned men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. Amen. And in the end of Acts, it said, these are the ones who's turned the world upside down. What? Are you serious? Uneducated? Unqualified? Simpletons that didn't have anything that the world says you got to have? They turned the world upside down. That ministered to me. When I I went to Bible college, I I grew up... I grew up, y'all, y'all seen my dad. And by the way, he's doing a whole lot better. Got to come home from the hospital, and I appreciate your prayers. Thank you so much. Dad was just a country preacher. Country preacher. You know, he's, he went 12 years and quit in the ninth grade. I mean, that's that. he just, no education. He said he went to Palmetto University. That's the school of hard knocks, amen. Grew up in a little church. I went to Bible college, and, 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 man, when I went to that church, it was a huge church. And my, it was like six, about half the size of this. But, but at that time, man, that was like, I thought I was in a coliseum. I mean, it just, and I, I would just stand around and look, whoa. And I thought, boy, this is for them special guys. You know, them really talented ones. And, and in my head and in my mind, in my mind, I was going to come get my education go back home and, and maybe be my dad's assistant and, and, and be in that church and have whatever. Because this was just for them special guys. Them smart ones. And I was in the dorm room with guys that could outline the Bible like crazy. And they, and I mean, they read their Bible on purpose. <laughs> I'm just trying my best not to get in trouble, Amen. I, I wish you understood how terrible of a Christian your pastor really is. I'm just trying to keep my head above water, guys. And I'm just, I'm just trying to make it. Man, I, I would sit and look at these guys, and, and I'd just be amazed. Boy, I tell you, boy, they're spiritual. My goodness gracious. I'm telling you, God's going to just. And I always had this idea. And I had it all backwards. I had it all backwards. I, I, I had forgotten the verse that said God uses the foolish things of this world. It's in the Bible, guys. The Bible says that Saul was a head taller than every man in the, in the camp. But you know what he used to kill Goliath? A lad. You know why? Because that lad was the only one that was going to give him glory. There's no reason in this world, no logical reason in this world that David beat Goliath whatsoever. Un- There's no scientific explanation except God did it. Amen. Amen. And here I am looking at all these guys and, 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 man, they were really good guys. But guess what? None of them, none of them has done what God's done here. Amen. And I'm not trusting me. I know me. I shave me every morning. I know it's not me. But I thought this, this is just for special people. <clears throat> Y'all remember that lady that got invited to the temple? Where's that church at? You know, right there on the corner campground. Oh, that's where that, that preacher don't know how to talk right. That's the one. I can't do nothing for God. I don't, I don't, I, Please. If I can, you can. Hey, I went back to preach for chapel. Dr. Steve Hurt, the vice president, when I, when I got through, he was blown away. I, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Because he's the one who got on to me all the time in college. <laughs> What's the point? There's not, there's not one single person in here that can ever say again and have the excuse that you don't have what it takes to do something great for God. It's not me, and it's not you. It's all him. Can you imagine all the dignified, educated people in Jerusalem when they looked and seen his followers? (laughs) Uh Well, that's kind of like what people around here do when they see y'all coming in this building. (laughs) We've been called riffraff. I bet they can't even spell riff-raff. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Amen. What do I want you to leave today with? I can do this. I got what it takes. If you're saved, you got what it takes. Amen. And I'll prove it. Here's the next part. Here's the next part. I know it's going to seem like I got the cart ahead of the horse, and I should have did point two first, but... If you don't understand, it doesn't matter what I say in point two. You got this. I think that's why God did it the way he did it and put this outline the way he did it. So no matter what I'm telling you that God is expecting you to do, you can do it. You can do it. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, you can do it. Don't do it like the commercial. I heard it. Somebody out there, you can do it. Yeah, I heard it. Y'all see what I'm saying? Redneck Church right here. Redneck Church. I heard it. I heard it. Watch. What, what is it that you can do? What, here, here. Let's finish up. Let's finish up. Here, number two. Number two. This is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said. <clears throat> he found some simple, uneducated, unqualified fishermen who were very busy. But yet he said this. He looked at them and said, come on everybody, say it follow me follow me here's what i want you to write down in that in that space first i want you to write a priority a priority i was debating on whether putting a at c or c at a and i really prayed and said god which one is this this needs to be and this is what i believe the lord spoke to my heart about how many of y'all believe that when jesus says something it's important now, if you in your Bible, if you're looking in your Bible, the color of that writing is what? That means what? Jesus is speaking. Would you say this? Would you say this? That, 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 that statement, follow me, is a command. Can we all agree on that? That's a command. All right. If you are a disciple, if you are a disciple... And you're supposed to take down the line. He chose his disciples. He told them to go make disciples. And down the line, down the line, you are now a disciple. Then you are responsible for the same command he gave his first disciples. And that is to follow Would you all agree with that? Amen. Now, let me show you why I use the word priority. Look in your notes. Look in your notes at the verse underneath that. The Bible says, look, look, down, look down at Matthew 4, 4. And then we'll come back up. We'll come back up. Matthew 4, 4. It says, but he answered. This is when Jesus is responding to Satan, right? When, when, when he, says, he says, but he answered and said, unto, or said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus is God. In every, we are to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If he said it, it's a priority. If he said it, it's a command. We are obligated to follow his command. Amen. What is a priority for everybody that claims to be saved in this room? I know everybody don't claim to be saved, but if you are in here and you claim to be saved, your hope is in Jesus to get you to heaven, then you have a command, you have a responsibility and an obligation to follow Jesus. Right. Amen. He said, follow me. Follow me. If you don't care, follow me. If you get around to it, follow me. If you think you have, no, 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 no. He said it, follow me. And don't ever claim to be a disciple if you're not following Jesus. Right. Now, I know we don't have the time today, but we're going to get into this. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I'm going I'm to share that with you. We're going to talk about that, and we're going we're to preach about that. So you've got to come back. Just keep coming back because it's a command. You cannot be obedient unto Christ. And I really, I really question whether or not you are a disciple or not if you're not following Jesus or have no desire to follow Jesus. Now, I know sometimes people are ignorant. In other words, you don't have the information you don't know. What does that mean to follow Jesus? I want to follow, have a desire, but if you have no desire whatsoever to follow Jesus, you might need to come get saved. Because it's a priority. It's not a question. It's not an option. This is not a suggestion from Christ. It's a command. Follow me. Amen. Right. How many of y'all would say amen right there? Amen. amen. Look at number two. Look at number two. First, we see a priority. And then we see a process. Then we see a process. Look what he says. When you follow me, when you follow me, I will make. Say that with me. I will will make. In other words, I'm going to do something to you. Who is speaking? Jesus, right? Jesus is speaking. Now, doesn't the Bible say in John 15... Doesn't the Bible say in John 15, "Without me, ye can do"? He said, "If ye abide in me and I in you, ye shall bear much," fruit. right? Right? In, in John 15 is all the fruit chapter. "I'm the vine, ye are the branches. If ye abide in me and I in you, ye shall bear much fruit." It's the Father's will that you bear fruit, but you got to understand without me, you can do nothing. Amen. Right? Amen. So here's the thing. It's not your ability Everybody pay attention. Here we go, here we go. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Don't let the devil distract you this morning because this is critical, this is critical. It is not your ability, it's your availability. It's not your intellect, it's not your intelligence, it's not your education level. You can be a simple, uneducated, unqualified person and yet do something great for God because it's God doing it through you when you decide to follow Jesus when you begin to follow Jesus Jesus goes to work the moment they begin to follow Jesus Jesus begin to teach and Jesus began to work. And Jesus began to rebuke, reprove, and exhort. He began to take stuff out of their life and put stuff into their life. He began a work. And I'm here to tell you, God will do something in you so he can do something through you. But he cannot do something through you till he does a work in you. If God, listen, if God would have put me at Temple Baptist Church here in 2019 where we are when I was a 17-year-old kid. And I said, God, I'm going to follow you wherever you take me. I would have croaked because I was a nervous wreck getting in front of a handful of people but over the years he's been honing on me and cutting on me and adding to me he said I will make what's the point what's the point you see that's what makes it so cool about being a simple person do you get this? It's not me. I have no pressure. No pressure. Because it's all him. He's going to do a work. And if you follow Jesus. Now I wish I could say it was all easy. I wish I could say that I liked all of the process. But I didn't. Because there were times in my life I was arrogant. I know it's hard to believe. I remember going down, I remember going down and preaching for my dad when I was in Bible college, and man, I thought I had it. And by the way, when you think you have it, he's going to show you you don't. And I was riding in the car, and boy Dad, he was, after the service, he said, "Boy, I tell you that was a good service. Man, that's a good message, boy, I tell you what you can. man, he was building me up. He was so I should have seen it coming. Boy, you can outline. I'm telling you, I just never hardly seen somebody outline the Bible. Man, i tell you what. He said, but you got one thing missing. And I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, 20 minutes he's building me up. And then he says this, and it's like a dagger to the heart. I didn't care about the 20 minutes. What do you mean I got one thing missing? I didn't say that because he was bigger than me. (laughs) He said, son, you just need some humility. You couldn't have took a two by four and hit me upside the head and hurt me no worse than what he said. Man, I tell you what, first thing I got defensive. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? The rest of you lying. What What? what am I trying to say? That process sometimes hurts. Let me give you a biblical illustration because you think I'm just rambling. Uh, uh, Peter, you're going to deny me. What? Hey, it made Peter mad. Yeah. It says he, more vehemently, he got angry with, not me, I'm not going. Y'all know what happened? Yeah. But you know what? That was just part of the process. Amen. That was part of Jesus making him. Because you see, when, when he, he let the devil break him, now he's humble and he can use him. Yeah. Yeah. And he used him in the very next few chapters in the book of Acts to, to, to y'all with me? See, thousands of people saved, but he couldn't use them until he broke him. But that's just a process. If you'll make a choice and you'll make a decision today to follow Jesus, God will start working on you. Amen. Right. And he's going to do something great with you. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you know or what you don't know. God wants to do something great with you. Yeah. But you've got to follow him. Amen. And if, if, he, if you follow him, then he's going to start a process in your life. Now, here's the third one. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. What did he say? Now I'm just going, do y'all notice how I'm just going just exactly with the verse? Right? Just exactly with the verse. We see the chosen and we see the call. First there's a priority. He says, follow me. That's a command. Follow me. And then we see a process. I will make. The word make there means to mold, to form, to form. Right? Now watch this third one. Watch this third one. Look at this. He says, what am I going to make? What am I going to make? Look in the verse. Let me see. Let me get back here. Verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me. That's the priority. And I will make you. That's the process. Then look at here. Fishers of men. Come on. Of men. Say it again. Of men. Say it again. Fishers of men. Fishers of men. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. Now write that down and look at me. Let me get real with you. Everybody look at me in the balcony and everything. Stay focused. Stay focused. Now let's review just a second so we can get the gravity of this. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. He's choosing his first disciples, right? Right? Okay. Then at the end of his ministry, at the end of three years of training them to send them out, he says, now go do what I did. Go make disciples of every nation. Right? And down through the years, down through the years, this one made a disciple out of this and this one made a disciple out of this and this one made, all the way down to us. Right? So if we claim, if we claim to be true disciples, that means we're following Jesus. That means he's working to develop us and to make us. What is he making us? Come on. Fishers of men. Fishers of men. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So if we're a true disciple and we're truly following him and he's truly molding us forming us then we're going to be been fishing lately I didn't ask you if you went to church I didn't ask you if you carried a Bible with you now we're just taking Bible don't get all hostile with me don't get defensive. I'm just reading the Bible. If being a disciple means following Jesus, then following Jesus means he's going to be working on us and developing us into something, and that something we know is being a fisher of men. Can you say you're following Jesus if you're if you're not fishing? Come on, brother. And I didn't say catching. I didn't say catching, I said fishing. John, stand up a minute. You're kind of loud. <laughs> that dude right there can catch a fish in a mud puddle. <clears throat> <laughs> he took me to Guntersville one time, and as cold as I've ever been in my life, I had frostbite on five fingers. <laughs> so Throwing a rattle trap, and I caught one of the biggest fish you ever caught, and it was snowing that day. Am I telling the truth? I got pictures to prove it. Caught a huge bass in the snow. Now, John, every time, every time I've gone with you, we've caught fish, correct? They can't hear you in the balcony. Yes. Every time you have gone in your lifetime, you've caught fish every single time. Say it loud. No. No. Okay. We pulled up on a point one time, and we cast Fifteen times, right? What do we do? We left. You know why? Tell them why. There wasn't no fish there. And I said, "Where are we going?" And this is what he said: "They're biting somewhere." <laughs> wow! Thank you, John. I just want y'all to know, y'all think I come up here and make up stories? There's my witness. We didn't catch him at a spot, so he said, we're going to another spot. They biting somewhere. Here's my point. I didn't say you're going to be catchers of men. I said you're going to be fishers of men. John, could, could we say this? Could we say this? There's been times that, you've probably, that that you've probably, in one day, you've probably made a thousand casts. That came back empty. But what'd you do? You kept casting. You kept casting. You kept looking. Now do you see why I said. If we're truly followers of Christ. If we're truly disciples of Christ. And he's working on us. We're going to be fishing for men. Sooner or later. We're going to be catchers. If we keep, now let me ask you a question. Let's be honest. Can y'all be honest like 37 seconds? Okay, 13. Come on, everybody. Raise your hand if you can be honest for just a second. Raise your hand, everybody. Come on. If we were all doing our job, if we were all truly followers of Christ and truly being disciples, would there be any empty seats in here? No. Now, I, I know this is kind of heavy for Mother's Day, but at least I'm not preaching on tongues on Mother's Day this time. Yeah. <laughs> and I waited till the prostitute of Revelation on Wednesday night, so we didn't have to do that. <laughs> i just got to tell you what God's told me. I did. I'm, I'm telling you. I looked at different passages for a Mother's Day message. But this is not, this is not a job to me. This is a calling. Amen. And as a calling, I can only tell you what God tells me. Amen. And I think what God is telling me is we, 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 somewhere we've missed it. If you claim to be a disciple then you got to be following him. And he's working to make you and mold you into something. Now watch this. Watch this. That means you're going to do it. Because that's what he's molded you. You can't help it. That's what he's made you to be. Does that make sense? Now here's a question I want you to ask yourself. Are you fishing? I didn't say are you catching. We're not going to get no numbers game but when's the last time you shared your faith with somebody that, that was an unbeliever? I met with Dr. Nelms. I met with Dr. Nelms. He's our TTI representative that we send a lot of money to. And it's going, it's unbelievable what God's doing with it. Unbelievable. And I said, why is it not working here like it's working in Nigeria, in Nepal, in, in, in different places in Africa, Kenya, India. I mean, it's, it's like a wildfire. And this is what he said, and, and it kind of hurt my feelings. You know what he said? He says, because believers over there are sharing their faith. Yeah. Believers over here are just Religious. We go to church. We'll carry our Bible. We'll even listen to a Christian CD. But God forbid we share what we have with someone else. And we wonder why this nation is not a Christian nation anymore. We wonder how in the world we could get to the place where a politician could get up there and laugh and ha-ha about killing a full-term baby in the womb. We wonder how we could have got to the place where there's so much confusion over whether you're a man or a woman. And where people can honestly, logically not understand why we don't want a man in the bathroom with my daughters I don't blame them lost people are doing what lost people do they came out the closet that's because you went in you've got the greatest gift that's ever been given and you won't tell nobody we got to be fishers guys the next few weeks, it's going to be real. Listen, I, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be a disciple by name only. I want to follow Jesus. I want to fish for men. I'm telling you, there is nothing like sharing your faith and seeing somebody trust in Christ. Nothing like it. But statistics say that ninety over it's, it's between ninety five and ninety eight percent of Christians in America has never ever won a soul to Christ. Can you imagine if the early church was that way? In the Book of Acts, we wouldn't be here today. What world are we turning over? We're all crying about the deficit. We're all crying about the debt. What are we giving to our grandchildren? What are we giving? That doesn't scare me near as bad as the spiritual culture that we're going to give to our grandkids because we're not winning souls. Amen. We, need, we need to check up. We need to do a real heart inventory and ask God to speak to us. And I assure you, if you ask that today, if you prayed that before I started this message today, he's already talked to you. Right? Let's pray. Father, thank you.